The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. This morning, we are speaking with a very special guest. We are privileged to have Neil Rogan with us this morning. Neil is a friend and an award-winning filmmaker. He calls himself a social observer. He is a founding member of Panchamama Alliance. He is he is somebody who was really instrumental in helping the world understand that um, aid can be provided in a real simple way. He helped produce Live Aid Concert for African Famine Relief um, many years ago. He has written and produced documentary films. He, his latest film is The Awakening Universe, and this is really about what it is to be human. We have so much to talk to Neil about this morning. Good morning, Neil. Welcome to the Leading Conversations. Good morning, Cheryl. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. So tell us where you are today. Um, I'm at my home. Um, truth be known, I'm sitting in, in my walk-in closet because it's the quietest place in my house. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's a lovely place. <laughs> it's a voiceover trick. I, I do professional voiceovers, and... Um, it's a trick to because the closet has so much baffling and the clothes are are ah. like studio, so it really works for me. Oh, that's really interesting. All right, well, we'll talk to you in your closet, and hopefully, you can tell us some really great secrets. So, <laughs> so, so Neil, I I have to tell you, it's been such an honor to be getting to know you, and as I have learned about you um, as a friend, and I've learned about you as someone who has contributed so much to this world, I've become really curious um, about you and about, um, you know, how did you get to be someone who was so interested in making the world a better place? You know, you have had so many opportunities to contribute, and you do. You're a real doer. So how did you become so curious about the world? Uh, gosh, that's a really great question. I'm, <clears throat> I would trace it back. Let's see. The furthest back I would trace it would be to when I was a little kid going to Saturday morning matinees at the movie theater, the Lyric Theater in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd go to see Western movies, you know, and serials. And the, yeah. And, um, um, we, it was really cool because you, you, they were Western, so we would all wear our guns, but we'd have to check our guns at the box office. And, <laughs> so, even uh, then. <laughs> even then, even then. But, it, you know, it was, uh, and I found myself being more interested in the beam of light coming from the production booth than ah. the, the end of the movie. So there was always this sense of where is this 
like coming from? Where you know, like, and it's a metaphor for me of like what is behind it all, and what you know, mm-hmm. that, what's really happening here, and mm-hmm. you know, and I've kind of you know ended up. Um, my childhood was kind of like everybody's childhood. It was you know, it was bumpy because because we grew up in a world that had no idea who we were. Right. So we had to feel our way and. Um, I kind of went up inside myself in a way and began to observe things rather than completely buy into the participation in life. So, you know, there's a little bit of a trade-off for me in that I find myself um, kind of watching the phenomenon of life itself and um, participating not quite so wholeheartedly in the game of life itself, you know, and and, uh, as I get older and, and... um, I just I'm interested in, and I see the that there as as I realize who we are as 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 beings, you know, the perfection and beauty and goodness mm. that's in us. Then I see the disparity between that and what's what we're creating in the world, and I you know have this yearning just to make that disparity less. Mm. So how do we make the world like who we really are and begin to reflect our our, um, you know, our, our real perfection and our sense of love that's behind everything we do. So that's been, and I've been given that opportunity all along and, and uh, you know, early on started <clears throat> following the writings of people like uh, Hindu philosophers like Patanjali and, and Vivekananda. And that's when I started when, the, you know, back in the 60s when I began to wonder you know, more deeply in doing kind of the things you did in the 60s. That yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that, and, and I, you know, um, it, it's just that I think that our, our soul yearning gets played out in our lives in some way. And mm. I've been introduced to great beings to, who I got to to support or play with or work for or, you know, get on their team in some way, whether it was... Uh, Muktananda or Werner Erhard or Buckminster Fuller. Um, I've I've been really blessed to be able to be given access to to doing that kind of work. Mm. So you say that you know we we all are perfect coming into this world and that there's love behind everything that we are and that we do. And so as I think about the world of today that is so busy and, um, you know, we, we don't always take time to even connect to one another. And we have all this technology going on and we are worried about the stock market and all of that. Is that part of the perfection? Well, yes. I mean, there's a, um, <clears throat> let's see, I, I really, uh, and making a distinction between the outer world. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I open my eyes. I'm, yes. you know, I wake up into a, what I call a recurring dream. You know, mm. uh, and uh, and it picks, it's amazing. It picks up right where it left off. <laughs> <laughs> With starring, starring me, um, mm. and, and everybody else is kind of supporting actors in in my movie. And I think everybody has that experience. But the 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 kind of allure of the outside world and the enchantment of it and it's the, the distraction of it and the, the way it pulls us and our attention uh. and into, you know, that all that is, 
is, mm, you know, I think it's part of the deal to do that. You know, it's really worth go explore the outside world. But I've come to see that uh, the outside world really has doesn't have the answer, won't fill mm. the, the yearning that I really have. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to get people to tell me who I am or to fill mm. the empty feeling that I may have deep, deep, deep inside. And, you know, I, I, I've seen that in my relationships with uh, my beloveds over the years or anybody who I've been close to or deep with, I've, you know, there's a part of me, my ego self is trying to get from them, trying to get them to give me what I refuse to give to myself. So yeah. if I'm not loving myself and I'm looking for someone else to love me so that I can love me, never quite works. Right, right. So um, the, the, the distractions we see in the world and the franticness and the, and the um, kind of uh, fragmentation, it's so, let's see, the illusion, you know, we talk a lot about the illusion of separation in, in mm-hmm. spiritual work, and we know what that is conceptually, but there's really, a, we are really fooled into thinking that I'm over here and you're over there, right. and that I'm distinct from what I see, rather than I am. I am what I see. Right. What I mean is myself. And um, I've had the privilege of, of working with uh, people like Brian Swim. Mm. Brian Swim is a mathematical cosmologist and a professor and teacher, and, and also I think is uh, one of the awe meisters on the planet. Who's Who's in his work with uh, with Thomas Berry, who has uh, recently passed away at age 94, a, a cultural historian and a and a Catholic theologian and a philosopher and a essayist and a, an amazing um, perspective. It shares an amazing perspective on on the human presence on this planet. Yeah. Um, so their work, you know, in cosmology began to connect me or show me how profoundly, not just connected, but how profoundly identical we are. We are one, you know, we came from this one, what they call the Big Bang, you know, but the, the mm. macrogasm of emergence that, you know, that began as one single tiny point, a tiny, tiny tear, you know, something mm. that, and so we are really all one. We all come from the same place. And we're, you know, we're, we're various and sundry, beautiful expressions of one thing, one event. And that helps me connect with and see through a little bit the illusion of separation because, you know, we're chasing, I think we, we, we are at a place of so separate, so separate. The illusion is so separate now. It couldn't be, we couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. And I think we're finding that so and that many of us are starting to return, you know, come back towards home, come back towards the one. You know, man, I don't know if we're going to ever <clears throat> go all the way back to the big, big bang and get swallowed up. But the, the <laughs> point is we're, we are seeing that we are more the same than we are different. And so it seems to me that if we are becoming more conscious of this, um, you know, this really feeds your belief that we're we're actually in this place 
to where we can actually change our perspective about what it means to be a human being here, yeah. right? And yeah. and so if we keep doing that, if we keep moving toward that, how does how does this world look different? What's happening differently? Well, um, I think you know. I don't think we can un undo or heal or fix all the things that we've broken or the sense of brokenness. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's a big, long list. I think that we can awaken from the illusion that that is real mm. and find ourselves as as individuals and as a collective as something we didn't realize we were. And mm. it's a, a larger, much more expansive and generous and Oh, beautiful uh, definition of who we are. I think we've been sold a bill of goods and we bought them, that we are broken and there's something wrong with us. We always say, oh, I'm only human. You know, we're apologizing, we're embarrassed kind of for being human. Uh, what we in the world and, the, you know, we keep getting fed back to us through our media a, a, a picture. like a, It's like a distorted looking glass. Yeah. That makes us feel like we're ugly and broken, and we're not. So it's not that we have to fix the brokenness. We have to wake up from the sense that we're broken. And and that's very possible and takes no time at all. It's it's a realization or an insight or a recognition of the of the context in which we find ourselves. The, mm-hmm. That's what's happening in science and um, astronomy, for example. The... the the new cosmology, as it's called, or the new story, where we're, we're living, you know, it has been said by others uh, that we don't live in the world, we live in the story we tell ourselves about the world. Mm, right, right. And that, that story can change instantly. And uh, I recently I've been pointing out and, and realizing myself how, you know, I, we all feel that our friends, that our close friends are really special, and they are. But really, they're only special because you know them. If you knew the other people, they would be special. <laughs> so everybody is special and beautiful and lovable. Really wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I really wonder about um, what is it about us as human beings um, that makes us so willing to... I guess my perspective is that we, we are turning our power over to others who are shaping the story for us. For instance, as you say, the media, um, as I think about a lot of the movies that um, happen to be extremely popular and make a lot of money at the box office, they tend to be um, filled with violence. Um, they tend to be filled with a lot of the dark side. And I just kind of wonder, what is it about that that so many people, it's almost like they can't not look, right? They are so yes. drawn to it. What yes. is it about that? What, why, do we, why are we so willing to give up our power and let someone else define us that way? Um, that's a really great inquiry. Um, I've been reading a book by a man named Peter Diamandis. Peter Diamandis is a um, philanthropist and entrepreneur and a, and a thinker uh, who funds the X Prize and uh, hmm. has written a book called Abundance, and he points out something that I think is very true. One thing, um, we are evolution. 
hardwired to scan for the worst case scenario. We so are hardwired we have, to, let me let me make sure I got that right. We are hardwired to scan for the worst case scenario. So worst we are case. On, we, we we are always kind of like attracted to or focusing on or scanning for uh, what could go wrong. Because of survival. Yes, it helped us survive. Right. Got it. Because we lived in a world where if we didn't do that we were dead. Right. So part of our brain and it's called the amygdala which is very old, but still very powerful in, in us. Right. And it, it, and so the media exploits that. So we get bad news. We are more fascinated with bad news than good news. Right. You know, the, the death of a baby is always news. The birth of a baby is never news. Yeah. Only, so it's, but it's more, much more of a miracle that a baby is born. But we don't we don't scan for that. We we select out the things that that could threaten us. So and that's become habitual, and it's also now exploited by our media because mm-hmm. we take money to go watch things go wrong. Mm-hmm. It's part of drama. It's part of you know everything. Every Shakespeare, everything is you know right. go to play where nothing goes wrong. And, and no one overcomes anything. So that, if you double it and triple it and, and multiply it, and it, it becomes kind of this this constant um, preoccupation with what could go wrong. And and that's kind of human life, or at least in in this in this time. And so at the same time. We have achieved amazing things um, yes. over the first centuries. We've risen out of the muck, and more and more people are living lives of safety where they don't have to scan for what's wrong. Yes. But, but, so, but we don't acknowledge that. We don't congratulate our hum, human genius for the things we've achieved. We keep scanning for what went wrong and what's gone wrong. Like, for example, he, he points out in his book, that this is the most peaceful time on this planet ever. There are fewer wars now, even though we know about them. There are fewer wars going on than have ever gone on. Now, that is really a fascinating thought because I have to tell you, I hadn't even thought of that, and I, I would have imagined that there are many more wars going on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're fewer, but they're much more um, popular or known about. Mm, right, right. Publicity store, you know. So, no, it, life is, was really brutal 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Sure. Very few people were having a good time on planet Earth. And even those people didn't know why they were getting sick and the plague and mm. no matter how much. So there was ignorance and, and, you know, but we've come and learned enormous amount. And we're poised now to, to to break levels. You know, to, we're kind of at the top end of the first year, the way I see it. Mm. And we're, we're, we're used up the story that we've been telling ourselves about, that we're that human beings are the brilliant animal on the planet. They're the really ones that are smarter than pigs. We're the wise ape with the opposable thumb. You know, we're homo sapiens. We're the wise, yeah, the wise ape. And, and the primate who's kind of like at the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. That's the model of, of human beings. Even though we have this terrible opinion of ourselves, we do think we are aggrandized to be this brilliant animal. 
and we measure ourselves that way. Mm. And that has taken us so far. It's done a lot, but it's been like a first year, and we're kind of done with it. There's well, no that more. makes a lot of sense. And we have more to talk about with Neil Rogan when we come right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. We're speaking with Neil Rogan today. So, Neil, you have taken us to a place where uh, you believe that we are so ready for a breakthrough in our cosmology and who we are as, as being human on this earth, in this universe. Um, and you say we're poised now to break levels. So tell us you know, what, what that looks like. Well, um so we're at the top end of this first year, and, and, and we're in this arrogant place that has us defining ourselves as the, the crown of creation, the capstone mammal, the smartest animal on the planet. And, and, and we're finding out that even that is not kind of working anymore. So there, there needs to be a breakthrough, and a breakthrough for me looks like this. It looks like rather than seeing ourselves as brilliant animals, we need to break through from arrogance to the humility of seeing ourselves as ignorant gods. Ignorant gods? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're baby gods rather yeah. than the... Mm. Like we're not in grad school, we're in kindergarten. And <laughs> that 
Mm. That sense of, of humility that needs to come to us now. To, to, through an experience, this is my strategy. And my strategy yeah. as I ruled the world was to create the experience, to engender the experience of mm. all. Of all. By putting people into the, into a direct contact with the immensity and the beauty and the complexity of what we are contained in, we are, you know, we walk around like nothing is far out. Everything is far out. <laughs> Brilliant things have to happen for you to get out of bed in the morning to brush your teeth. To, you know, like this. It just if you're not blown away, you're kind of asleep. And. And and to begin to kind of become awestruck by creation itself and by the beauty of things and to be grateful for it and uh, mm-hmm. so so that and and we and for that transition to take place we need to connect with the primary fundamental human and divine experience of compassion for each mm-hmm. other and ourselves and uh, the the sense of oh. I see. It's okay. I've been wrong. I love me. I've been trying my best. You know, so that the sense of understanding and kindness that that is in the new realm, because what we come we've been coming out of where has been kind of what competition has allowed us to create. Competition being like somebody loses, I win, and that mm. winning goes on to make babies, and then babies who win make more, you know, so that's been this competitive evolutionary system, and now it's become, it's got to go through a, a, a what my friend John Reamer calls a co-opetition <clears throat> to a cooperative model. Now, nature really is cooperative. It's not competitive. Mm. And what could we do together to make something wonderful happen? It's amazing what we can do if we're not in competition, but if we're in like, I'll help you, you help me, let's do this together. Right. Great. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what, there's this deep, deep pool of compassion that's pent up, dammed up inside us because our culture doesn't really ask for it or allow it. Or, or it thinks it's a weakness or some kind of, you know, wimpy thing. But it is the most powerful connector that will that will see us through. Mm. And um, I'm I'm working um, with uh, the Dalai Lama Foundation and uh, some really wonderful people on a project that we're <clears throat> hoping to produce. Uh, it's going to be a whole program. It's not just a one day, but the one day that I'm working on is called the World Compassion Festival. And we're, we don't want it to be a one-off. We want it to be a kickoff to something. You know, I'm calling it Moving Day. <laughs> so we're moving from one cosmology to the next, right? Exactly, exactly. And to move from arrogance to humility, from brilliant yeah. animal to ignorant God, through the sense of awe at what we find ourselves in, and the gratitude and the compassion for... For our own struggle and for and for the beauty and um, kindness of of other people, mm. it's really there. It's you know it is it is. Uh, can I read you this uh, little thing I wrote about the Compassion Festival? Yes, please. It says it is human nature to care, to care for, to care about, to take care of, to ease suffering, to uplift, to smooth the way, to cooperate, to offer support. We do it without question for our children, for the members of our family, for those we know and love. 
It is simply, simply the nature of every human being to feel compassion for others. But the structure of modern society thwarts and distorts this natural desire of our species. This sense of separation and disconnection is so pervasive that it appears that unkindness, indifference, selfishness is the norm, and compassion, kindness, and caring is the outlier. It could be said that, that the key missing ingredient, the source of all human suffering, of environmental devastation, of social injustice, the one key difference-making element that allows the human presence on this planet to appear as the single sour note in the symphony of creation is the absence of compassion. Compassion is not something we need to create or manufacture. It is something we need to unleash because it is within us when we are born. It is part of who we are. We care because we are. The question is, how can we unleash, release, uncover what is already there yearning to be expressed? Because beneath our culture of indifference runs a deep river of compassion, a vast aquifer of loving kindness waiting to be tapped, yearning to be released. We can unleash the natural resource of compassion so that the next generation can fulfill the promise of every generation and become what we actually are, humankind. That's beautiful. You know, as you as you speak those words, I wonder how close are we, do you think? You know, we read about tipping points, right? And it doesn't take 51% for um, something to become a norm in our society. It takes about 14%. Um, and suddenly there's this exponential shift in perspective. How close do you think we are to this being more the norm? Um, I think it's close, closer than we even hope. And um, it's uh, because of we've been quietly building the structure for memes to be generated around the world instantly for a new idea to just take root and mm. spread. We even call it viral, you know? Yes. It is a positive disease. <laughs> um, where this notion once prevented presented powerfully and we're you know we learn we know how to create uh, communications that persuade each other we do it all the time right commercials and you know so we persuaded ourselves of the world that we now have and we can also persuade ourselves that we were mistaken and that we can awake you know we're not a mistake we are mistaken and mm-hmm. and once you just correct that mistake doesn't you know we have built this worldwide system of communication and instantaneous connection this network this neural network so that once an idea becomes part of the global mind it can spread amazingly fast so i think we are very close to to breaking through and i think that we're going to look back on this time not so much as a time of darkness, but as a time of development and ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What will happen will fulfill this time, will not negate it. Mm. And, um, you know, there, there, we, and it will come as a redefinition of what human beings are. You know, who, who, um, what a me is, who I am. And, and it'll happen... Part of what that is, at least in, in the work I'm doing now, with uh, I'm working with an amazing uh, 
feminine mystic who's named Miranda McPherson, and um, we work on the, you know, the kind of creation and the feeding of our ego self, our separate sense of self, of our identity, mm. and and making that relax and become transparent rather than being this kind of pebble that's pulled up to your eye that blocks out the whole sun. And it's a very tiny thing in us. It's our psychology that we have given it so much authority, and we listen to it so profoundly mm. that we allow it to interpret the world to us, and it interprets the world to us in a way that is, is has, a, has as its core a fear that it is no good, so that it's there's this distortion. And if we can become aware of this little friend, this imaginary friend in our head, and become a little, gain a little distance from it, we will feel a sense of freedom and recognize who we are in a most profound way, most mm-hmm. profound way. So, you know, if you say this, it makes me wonder about things like illness. Um, how does, I mean, is illness something separate from us? Is it something we think is happening? I mean, uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you see that? Well, I think illness is, is, the, is the signpost saying, you're going the wrong way. Go back. Turn <laughs> hmm. You turn, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is the, we're harvesting the product of our sense of separation. Huh. And, um, you know, we're separate from our food supply. The food supply in this country, for goodness sakes, has just been so distorted and polluted and organized for the convenience of the providers of the food rather than for the people who are consuming the food because there's no that sense of separation. You know, if people, if the food, People who make the food in this country, the big far- big farms and, you know, big agriculture and the big companies that produce the, the uh, standard American diet, if, if they saw through the sense of separation and recognized the connection, they could never do that. But there's, the, 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 you know, this, this illusion that, hey, I can make it if you don't and I need to exploit you and you're not me and what do I care mm. if I don't know you and all that stuff. Allow yeah. us to do each other and to our own bodies. Mm. So the illness is a is a signal that we are doing something that needs to be corrected. And and, and, and so you know I I know you've had some personal challenges yourself. Um, what what did you learn about the direction you were heading and how that was the wrong direction? Well. Let's see. I don't know if it's the wrong direction. So I had throat cancer, and and I I, um, you know, I looked at the the metaphysics of it. I looked at also you know the physics of it and the, the allopathic nature and the alternative problems and uh, you know I looked at it from every angle. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and as I look back on it, you know, I don't see it as a I don't see it as something that was wrong. I see it as a as a mid-course correction for me. Right. Um, it was like hitting a curb that makes you go, oops, I better pay attention to where I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and profoundly helped me see the, the preciousness of life. I think this happens to many people. Sure. But this is a teacher, you know, it's a teacher that won't let you get away with shit. Excuse me. Right. <laughs> but it right. won't 
cannot turn away. You can't comfort yourself. I couldn't tell myself, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen? Hey, you know. Uh, yeah. At least I got my health. No. You know, it's like, so I had to confront my my finity, my, you know, that the, there's an end to this. Yeah. And I've been living as like, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> for me. I mean, for other people, maybe even not for me. Uh-huh. No, and the sense of, of, you know, that everybody... Um, Everybody knows they're going to die, but nobody believes it. Right. And and that when you believe it, you get access to things that you didn't have access to before. Mm. And so um, the way I say it is that uh, life is all I knew. Life was everything. So that life, if life was everything, then it was really nothing. It kind of disappeared. I was in it, took it for granted. I was alive. Yeah. And then when I, the term, you know, you have cancer, uh, excuse me. Uh, could you say that again? You know, and yeah. that kind of that stopped me, and also had me confront. Oh, I could actually, I will actually. You know, there's an end to this thing. So by uh-huh. seeing the edge of life and actually having death show up as an as an not only an option but an inevitability, then life showed up for me as what it is: this precious jewel, kind of sitting on this black velvet uh-huh. pillow of death. As a, as a thing by itself, it's not everything. It's this precious moment, and um, so I became a lot more present to the to the privilege of every second, of every moment. I don't, you know, I don't do it all the time, of course, but you know, it's become much more obvious to me that I'm alive for now, and and let's let's make the most of it. Well, you certainly are making the most of it. We have a whole lot more to talk to you about when we come back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Are the challenges of economic uncertainty and the pressures of global competition wreaking havoc on your company strategy? To succeed in today's fast-paced, high-tech business landscape, companies must continually adapt while driving innovation and exploiting new opportunities. Listen for Quantum Business Insights with host Olivia Parr-Rudd. Our guests will include thought leaders from around the world, discussing and exploring the concepts that will move companies forward in these uncertain times. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're back with Neil Rogan. And Neil, I love what you said about, you know, learning and really feeling that life is a precious moment, and we are actually in privilege every moment that we are experiencing life. Um, so as you move through that experience, became more in touch with that for yourself, you know, what did you decide you really wanted to make happen? And did, did any one thing suddenly become even more important for you to achieve? Yeah, I think that there's a... There's a um sense that we all have that we're, we have a gift inside of us you know it's it's you know, all of us are gifted but it's not our gift to keep you know it feels like i'm here for something i i would i'd like to to say that sometimes you know I, like i will go from one room to another and i'll go into the other room and i'll not re- i'll go why did i come down here you know forget mm-hmm. and, I, and i said and i'm having that experience about being on a planet mm. But I, I know I came down here for something. Now, what was it? Something big. <laughs> not just to be personally successful. That's not, that's kind of stage one. Yeah. There's something that I have. And, and I think we all have a, you know, I'll have a dish for this giant potluck we're at. Mm. And, and it feels really good to give it. And um, so I've been really um, seeing what, what is it that if I, you know, I'm, I'm really good at what I do, so I'm the, I can make films, and I'm kind of the best in the business at it. But if I don't do it, other people will do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do it as well. It'll be different, but, it, you know, it'll get done. But there's something that if I don't do, will never get done. It's mine to do, and that no one can see is missing, and so no one will ask me for it. Oh. Do you know what that but, is? Uh, well, it has to do with the, the writing that I'm doing, and I'm, and I'm beginning to put together a book. Uh, it has to do with opening my mouth and sharing my experience wholeheartedly hmm. uh, and, and, and having people either have their experience of it one way or another and not in the front of my business, but that I've got to kind of um, express the things that I've been given. There's a hmm. line in Course in Miracles. Um, um, that says the. Uh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna miss say it, but it has something to do with the fact that it went, went until you give what you've been given, life holds you in grim imprisonment. 
But when you give your gift and you see it heal your brother, you realize your liberation has already been achieved. Mm. So there's something wonderful about saying what is really so in your heart that, you know, is a little bit tender and maybe uh, you're a little afraid to say it, but it's but really share, you know, the depth of your relationship with spirit and have it make a difference to someone else. It really heals you to do that. So that's, I'm, you know, I'm, so I've been writing for a long time and kind of keeping it to myself, and now I'm putting together a book that'll probably be done by the end of the year that I call, um, the title is, the, the Light at the End of the Tunnel is a Mirror. I love that. And, I love, and, so we're really going to see ourselves. Yes. It's you are what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, you are where the light is coming from, that you keep seek, seeking in others or in other experiences or hope things around the corner. But it's, it's, it's who you are. That's what you want. And, and if you just rest and nothing and allow it to come to you and allow things to unfold as a profound kind of sense of being, it's kind of what meditation does where you stop doing anything, then things reveal themselves. And it's the simplest kind of spiritual lesson. Uh, it's saints have said it, people, wonderful teachers uh, like uh, Sri uh, Ramana Maharshi from India, the saint from India, to be as you are, rest in God, you know, do nothing. And if you do that with what comes up for you, what, what is, you know, seems to be in your way, in my work with Miranda McPherson is I'm recognizing what, what, what seems to, what's in the way is the way. Hmm. So what comes up to be examined that I say, oh, I don't want that. I feel, you know, alienated or I feel lonely or whatever I feel is like that I don't want to feel, rather than trying to get over it or scoot around it or suppress it or fix it, I examine it, become curious, let it come, watch it, and it transforms. So that kind of, Simple beingness is is what's you know what's next for me, and where I'm going, and, and I write out of that space, and it seems to you know it works for me. It's really writing to me, and um, now to share it with other people. You know, I hear writers say that a lot that um, they set out to write something in particular, and then the um, the writing takes on a life of its own. And, you know, I mean, I had that experience when I wrote my book. I certainly set out to write a different book than it ended up being. And it certainly was a complete reflection of who I was. And I was mad. <laughs> I was mad that, it, this was, that I had to write this stuff. I was like, well, wait, you know, this is not what I'm supposed to be writing as, you know, a thought leader in executive coaching and leadership and et cetera. And it was a complete revelation of me. And, uh, you know, I finally gave into it and said, all right, fine, I'll write this, put it away, and get back to the real book. And what turned out was I wrote this and didn't put it away and published it and um, was very afraid because I thought, oh, my God, people are really going to see me. And, um, yeah, right? And, yeah. and I thought, oh, my gosh, and what if they misinterpret me? And what if I'm not there to say to them, wait, wait, no, that's not what I really meant, no. Yeah. And I, um, as soon as it was published, I had this, okay, well, the book's not mine anymore, and I have to surrender to this, 
and now it's in the hand of the reader. And it was it was quite empowering, actually. That moment was quite empowering. I realized that my my job was done, right? And so it was for you know whomever got something from it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I really I appreciate what you're saying about the writing process. Um, and I, I can't help but um, think about you said earlier that. Um, your writing is about opening your mouth and sharing your experience wholeheartedly. And when I think about your illness being throat cancer, yeah. and, you know, so now speaking, you know, the truth, your truth, um, is really part of your healing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't lost on me that, uh, you know, I have this brand that I'm very creative, you know. Oh, yeah, Neil's creative, you're right. And, uh, but this, this sense of that, yeah, I'm holding back what's not being asked for because I don't see it. Mm. I knew I was holding it back. So when I got throat cancer, it was not lost on me that even though people would go, oh, that's about not withholding your creativity. That's not you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and now I'm much more committed. You said it is part of my healing to, you know, become a big mouth <laughs> about. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people tell me to shut up eventually, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever tells you to shut up. Now, I, my experience of you, whether it's one-on-one or it's with you in front of a group completely mesmerizing all of us, and, and you have this way and this wit of being able to be absolutely profound um, without indictment. You know, and I think that that is so powerful. I mean, there are many people who who have a vision of the world and, and they have profound thinking, but along with it goes that sense of indictment, meaning, and you're wrong because you're not doing this, right? You don't do that. You have a way of letting that profound thought in your beautiful, gentle, and oftentimes funny delivery be an invitation. That I find absolutely, it's pure brilliance in you. And, you know, people want to move towards you, not away from you. People feel possibility. Um, they don't feel less than when you say, look, we could be this. You know? I just, I, I can't imagine anyone ever saying to you, shut up. So, there. <laughs> Uh, direct healing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so we only have a couple minutes left in the show, and I am curious. Um, you have there's a couple things I want to mention. One is um, you have worked in creating an organization called the Punch Mama Alliance. You're a founding member, and the Punch Mom Alliance is really a partnership, you know, between, as you've called it, between people of the modern world and indigenous tribes in the Amazon. And, um, you know, I, I love Punch Mom Alliance. It's an amazing organization, and, and the the learning and the the true partnership that is occurring between um, the people in Ecuador and the 
other world, the, the world that has resources and money and is, you know, trying to influence what happens there, um, has been quite, uh, I don't know, amazing is such an overused word. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, a little synopsis about that. So it's, it's something I've been doing for 17 years. Um, since its beginning, I've, been, I've witnessed this, this beautiful expression, like a tree being born out of a seed that has grown to be this amazing uh, conversation in the world uh, that is rooted deeply in the indigenous wisdom in the rainforest and the, in the spirit of life itself and the, and the recognition of the sacredness of all life and, and of the natural world and, and gets expressed into the modern world. So it's an amazing um, there's that word again, uh, uh, <laughs> spectrum from ancient, ancient indigenous simplicity and wisdom to the modern complexity of changing consciousness in the world. And, and uh, it's very consistent if you really look at it. It just amazes me, and I'm moved by it, by the work. And uh, so the Pachamama Alliance, um, you know, is doing work now to help people bridge the gap from waking up in this world and saying, ah, things have to change and somebody yeah. needs to do something. Yeah. To things have to, I see what needs to be changed and it's my job to do it. I want to engage. So they're giving um, a pathway or a, an engagement um, avenue for people to, and it's the latest thing that they've done. I, it's called Up to Us. And um, it's an entire program that allows people to fundamentally uh, awaken from the trance of the modern world that we've all been subject to, and then to, to engage with the world in a meaningful, profound, evolutionary way that helps evolution. You begin to see what evolution is trying to do and to realize, oh, we are agents of that, and we are supposed to go in and help, and we you know, offer people a way to find that for themselves. So I would send people to the to Pachamama.org, P-A-C-H-A-M-A-M-A dot org to find out more about the symposium and the Up to Us program that are they're just rolling out. So So another yeah. website you have is awakeninguniverse.com and um, I I just love this that's your latest film that you have, Awakening Universe, which I think is amazing. People have got to look at that. And um, World Compassion Day, how can people learn about that quickly? World Compassion Festival, there is a Facebook page for it. Okay. Um, and you could go there and begin to get... Um, and there's also, I think, a worldcompassionfestival.com. That's probably still under construction. We're still in the in the formative stages of the development of this, but we've got a really great team of people. And uh, it's not just that, it's the, it's compassion. There's this Charter for Compassion by Karen Armstrong. There's, uh, there's the Compassion Games, which is a wonderful kind of Olympics of compassion. I love it. The subtitle is Survival of the Kindest. Um, and, I love it. And the compassion, Compassionate Cities, program, which is allowing hundreds of cities to become identified and identify themselves as compassionate cities and begin to measure their programs mm. in that way. And, I love uh, this. So, Neil, we, we need to close the yeah. show. I'm so sorry because I could just talk to you forever, and I know people will want to know more. 
Um, all of those websites are a way to access Neil and his work. Neil Rogan, it has been a pure privilege to have you here on Leading Conversations this morning. Thank you for being here. Carol, it's been a delight and a, and a privilege for me, too. Thank you so much for making it possible. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.